Hi, I'm Paul Jay, and welcome to the Analysis.News podcast. This episode is produced in collaboration with Other News. Other News is an international press platform that disseminates analysis, insights, and information about global issues in English, Spanish, and Italian. And you can find it at other-news.info. This podcast is a continuing part of a series I'm doing about countries that rarely get talked about in the North American press, but should be. Of course, every country should be, but these are particularly large and important countries uh, that get almost no attention at all. Today, we're going to talk about Romania, which is the seventh most populated country in Europe. It joined NATO in 2004 and the European Union in 2007. Romania has become one of the worst countries affected by the COVID pandemic. There have been 75,000 cases so far, 3,154 deaths, and there has been a recent, recently a very large spike in infections. Now joining us to talk about the current situation in Romania, as well as give us some of the historical context, is Maria Cernat. She's a graduate of the Faculty of Journalism and Communication Sciences and the Faculty of Philosophy of the University of Bucharest, where she completed her PhD in philosophy. She is currently an assistant professor at the Department of Communication, Foreign Languages, and Public Relations of Tito Madoresco University, and she also teaches communications and public relations of the National University of Political Studies and Political Administration. Thanks very much for joining us, Maria. Thanks very much for having me, Paul. So start with what's going on in terms of the pandemic. Why is Romania spiking so badly, and why is the country... Uh, becoming one of the countries most affected in Europe? Well, there are several reasons. First of all, we had some uh, very good measures being taken and everybody was afraid. The public responded pretty well to the government's recommendations to stay at home. And we stayed at home for almost two months and we saw that the corona pandemic, the number of cases were was getting uh, smaller and smaller. So it was the good time they thought the politicians to renounce some of those very harsh regulations. But I think it was also uh, at the pressure of the business elites that they wanted to start the economy uh, again. There was always this obsession with starting the economy again, but not the economy in general. They haven't thought of changing the economies so that would take into consideration the pandemics. No, they wanted to have the good old ways economic that would profit only some people and to leave things uh, just the way they were and uh, not take into consideration the fact that we have a pandemics, okay? So they opened up bars, they started to allow people to move from place to place. That was one part of the issue. Another part was that another uh, source of the problem was that Romania was a neoliberal country and dominated by the neoliberal uh, ideology for almost three centuries decades since 1989 and we have this very individualistic and selfish perspective where we don't care i say that the social tissue is so thin that uh, people don't care they don't even want to wear masks in public 
Another source of the problem was the fact that the informational environment is so corrupted in Romania. What do I mean by that? And this is not a particular aspect um, only for Romania. Uh, what do I mean by the informational context? There are a lot of conspiracy theories that circulate. Some of them are even... Um, have a source in the United States and a lot of evangelical groups that have representatives here in Romania that spread conspiracy theories about the coronavirus, about the mask being a device of the 5G antennas of the Chinese wanting to control us, about the idea that the pandemic is only a tool for, the Bill, for Bill Gates to come to Romania and vaccinate everybody and implant chips into our heads. And believe it or not, there are a lot of people that actually fall for this type of nonsense right now. Well, we can believe it because something, I don't know, Trump has a pretty solid 40% in people that are likely to vote. And a large section of the people that are likely to vote for Trump in the United States believe much of the same stuff. This is also a result of 30 years of neoliberal reforms that ended up with closing a lot of the schools and a major decay of in education in Romania that leaves people very prone to believe this type of nonsense. I mean, the most preposterous and delirious uh, conspiracy theories that you can imagine. So that would not be possible without, without a major lack of trust and without the mishandling of the whole crisis by the authorities. They don't have a communication plan, a communication strategy then don't engage in uh, communication campaigns to uh, have citizens listen to them and to scientific evidence. So they are left alone in this very um, deregulated informational system, media system, to think for themselves. And another source of conspiracy theories are not the mainstream press, but also Facebook groups, private groups, WhatsApp groups, where people send messages with the label, I'm not saying that you should believe me, but listen to this. You know, and this is how the conspiracy theories spread. And you're saying that, pe and, and, you're, and you're saying people are not wearing masks because of this. Yes, a lot of people refuse to wear masks, and we even have demonstration and protests against the mask. They don't want to make this small effort to protect the others. How connected is this to the right-wing American politics, where you see much of the same kind of phenomena? Well, I think it's pretty much connected. It's scary how much it is connected to that, because here in Romania, the right-wing seems to emulate and to mimic every the worst part of the right-wing American politics. And I'm not aware if they are truly in contact and receive, uh, I don't know, information or are in contact with those people, or are they just emulating and mimicking what they are seeing? Well, Steve, Steve Bannon's been very actively organizing in Europe. And interesting enough, Steve Bannon was just arrested for fraud in New York. Uh, so we'll see if that affects his activities. Are you aware of uh, how uh, of Bannon's activity in Romania? No, I'm not aware of his activities. I am aware of uh, some sort of Q group that I know it's related to 
um, some sort of evangelical movement uh, in the United States. And I'm also um, aware of a praying group in the Romanian parliament that has links to the very conservative politicians in the United States. And what is interesting to see here is that that conservative praying group in the Romanian parliament gathers politicians from the right, the liberals, and also from the social democrats. And that's very interesting to see how this power structure uh, gathers politicians from both ends of the political spectrum here in Romania. So it is no wonder that a few months ago we had a law, an initiative, where the liberals shook hands with the social democrats uh, and they voted a law saying that all discussion about gender should be banned in Romanian educational institutions. And luckily President Johannes sent it back for further debate into the parliament, but it passed the parliament, can you believe it? And then this happened only a few months ago, and it was at the initiative of this praying group in the Romanian parliament. And they come up with all the conservative nonsense that you are also familiar with, that the, the LGBT community is going to come and take our children and transform them into gay and lesbians. Romania is presented as a besieged fortress that is going to be attacked what, by what the, the right-wing intellectuals here call uh, sexo-Marxism. <laughs> so we have this label for the progressive thinkers uh, of the left. They call them sexo-Marxists. I think we are original in this type of labeling. This kind of persecution has been going on uh, to uh, very intensely in Bulgaria. What, what, what's behind the strategy? What do they think they gain by this kind of persecution? Well, I think uh, a lot of them are true believers, unfortunately. They actually believe that uh, Romania should stick to the traditional values. I'm reminding you that in 2018, we had a referendum initiated also by this conservative groups related to conservative groups in uh, North uh, America, the USA and Russia uh, that uh, wanted to give a very narrow definition of the family. They wanted the family to be defined in Romanian constitution as the union between a man and a woman. And that's it. That's the definition of the family. And luckily for us, the referendum did not uh, pass and it was rejected. But they had this initiative and now they came back with this crazy law about banning gender and the discussion about gender. So let's get back to some of the underlying basics. Uh, in 1989, when Ceausescu fell uh, and the West was uh, so excited with the fall of the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc, uh, there was great hope that this was going to usher in a time where Euro East Europeans would achieve a standard of living uh, equal to that of West Europeans. Uh, the, joining the West was really going to solve all the economic and social problems. So w what's the scorecard here? H how has that actually worked out? Well, as I told on several occasions, I lived the revolution and I remember my sister was a participant she, since she was a student in Timisoara, the first city where the revolution started. And I have very vivid memories of those days 
we were crying, literally crying near the radio station when we first heard what the song that is now a national anthem, Wake Up Romanians. And uh, we thought that uh, we, are, we were going to be at least as rich as the top 1% in the United States. I mean, we literally believe that now the gates of heaven are open for us. And what followed was a complete disaster. I mean, let me give you some numbers. 10% of the household in Romania own 62% of the wealth. Let's do that again. 10% own 62%? On 62%. So we have huge inequality. The minimum wage is only 46 euros. And what is even more sad here is that 60% of the workers earn the minimum wage. Now, hold on. Hold on. Let's let's translate that. The minimum wage is how many euros? For, 460 euros. 460 euros. And that's for what kind of time frame? Per day? Per? Monthly. Per month. So that in dollars, that might be around $500 a month? $500 a month, yes. And 60% of the workers earn the minimum wage. Now, the, co- the, co- the cost of goods are not really cheaper. How, does it, how do people live on $500 a month? Whereas there are very harsh conditions and uh, unfortunately, nobody cares. So they always talk about, and we had a right-wing government of Traian Bosescu, Uh, that talked about socially assisted people and talked about poverty as being some kind of sin and managed to impose this type of ideology. And um, nobody's talking about the poverty of the wage, the people that are actually laborers that are on the labor market. And it is not very, uh, I mean, 60% of the people earn this type of money. What happened to these people when the country closed down for two months during the pandemic? Were they Did they get support? Well, they got some uh, unemployment aid, of course, and uh, the um, rents uh, were being frozen and there were no evictions. Uh, so they got some support, but not all of them, because a lot of workers um, uh, are not uh, having an official contract. They work uh, uh, on a black market, so to speak, and they were the most affected by the crisis since they were no longer able to pay for basic uh, needs. So 32.5% of the population of Romania lives in poverty, according to the United Nations and all sorts of uh, institutions that make statistics um, and try to see what's the situation here. And what's even worse is that 32 of Romania's children live in poverty. So a lot of people are... um, not living the dream that we thought it would come true in 1989. And we also have racialized poverty. That means that 76.8% of the Roma population lives in poverty. So most of the Roma live in uh, desperate poverty and they were sent back because most of them go to Western Europe uh, countries where they beg and they make a living like that for their families. So they were sent back uh, here with no support because most of them don't even have an ID card because the Romanian state asked 
for a person to have a stable address in order to give them an ID card. So a lot of these people don't even have that. So how did we end up to this situation, this grim situation where there is so much poverty? And it was a constant attack on the uh, public institutions. Because back in 1946, uh, we had almost an 80% of the people being illiterate. And the communism, of course, in Romania, it is a religion. Anti-communism, it is a, is a religion and saying only the slightly good thing about communism would make you the public enemy number one, but I would say that publicly that it was during the communist time that this high percentage of illiteral people went down. But now we are coming back to that. Just imagine that only 38% of the students enrolled in, fir in the first grade 12 years ago managed to get their final exams after 12 years of school. So only 38%. We have a huge number of students that do not make it until the 12th grade. Because the neoliberal governments closed down schools, just to give you some numbers. So there were 1,781 schools closed until 2013. So the total number of school right now, it's around 6,000. So a lot of schools were closed during the neoliberal uh, but I'm talking here about the neoliberal but I, I should make a point that even the social democrats who call them social democrats okay closed down schools and took one of the most neoliberal reforms in this country uh, and uh, the sad thing is that now social democracy lost its um, how should I say, it is no longer a legitimate option since they were even worse at some points than the liberal governments. We had a Ministry of Finance that wanted to um, abolish the minimum wage. And it was from the Social Democrats. And this supposedly encourages foreign investment. Well, let me tell you what it, it encourages. It encourages Romania to become some sort of Bangladesh of Europe, you know, to be the country of the cheap labor, to be the country where uh, firms come because our laborers work uh, as hard as the workers in China and uh, in even harsher conditions. You know, we sold ourselves for the investors as the country of cheap labor and unskilled labor. We destroyed our industry, we sold it for nothing, now we have no industry at all, we have no capacity and no ability to uh, exploit our natural resources and uh, we have people that work for uh, very low wages. And we also have another problem that we are the country with where the most people migrated uh, in time of peace. 
I mean, millions of Romanians uh, went to work abroad since there were no good jobs uh, here. And that meant a huge social disaster. A lot of children were abandoned to the relatives, to be supported by the relatives. And uh, we have huge numbers of suicides among the youngsters and uh, very high levels of depression and uh, we also have people who come back uh, to Romania burned out, destroyed by the very harsh conditions that they accepted in order to make a living. So it is a social bomb. Even for a short period, it seemed like a model of economic success because this is how the story goes, isn't it? You go to the West and you gain a lot of money. It is so good that we have this freedom to sell our labor for uh, whoever wants to buy it. So we can sell our labor force abroad and earn some money. But nobody talked about the social costs and the the disaster that was uh, accompanying this process because people are not robots. They have families, they have bodies that are being destroyed while accepting harsh conditions of labor. And when they come back, they come back and they use the public uh, health system in Romania. Now, I know that uh, you know, people hated the political repression under Ceausescu and the same thing in the other in the Eastern Bloc countries. Uh, but there actually was a, a very advanced educational system and there was a pretty advanced healthcare system. What has happened to the healthcare system in Romania? The healthcare system was um, attacked and the public healthcare system was under attack from several directions. First of all, we had this idea of efficiency, of making the hospital as efficient as the factory, you know, and transferring this uh, managerial efforts from the corporation to the hospital. This whole idea that the state is the worst administrator because people are corrupt and are stealing money for, from the budget and we have to replace the uh, management the, conducted by uh, doctors and specialists in uh, uh, healthcare in the healthcare system with the managers um, specializing in economy because they would be very careful with the money as if the whole goal of the hospital would be not to save lives but to save money so uh, we had this uh, ideological <laughs> how should I say, nonsense being uttered in public space so many times and people actually believed it. And uh, in 2011, the government did a ranking of the hospitals in terms of their efficiency, but let us note here that it was economic efficiency. They didn't care that maybe that hospital was vital because people living in villages could not afford to go to a big city to the hospital. So it meant the difference between life and death for the people living there. No, they did it in terms of economic efficiency and how many beds do they have and uh, how uh, effective it is in economic terms to keep the hospital open and so on and so forth. Nothing about the social costs of such measures. How 
is the healthcare system coping with the COVID and the pandemic? Let me tell you that the, from the 461 hospitals, they closed down 67 hospitals. And that meant that a lot of people living in a rural area had to go far away for basic problems. And now the system, how is it coping? Let me tell you what happened before the pandemic. Um, we had a minister of public health that came from the private sector that wanted to further attack the um, system of public health. And what did he do? He basically wanted to privatize the um, emergency healthcare system. In what way? We have some funds that come from the um, um, national, it is called the National House of Insurance. <laughs> I don't know, this is the uh, translation. So it is basically uh, the public insurance, health insurance that everybody has to contribute to so they he wanted to allow private hospitals to gain access to that money and he wrote a law and luckily the law was not accepted because ironically the pandemics came and guess who were the first to close down the doors of their hospitals the private ones they had the nerve to close down the hospitals during the pandemics because it was not efficient you know to leave them open can you believe that and they relied on government giving help to the doctors and to their employees and they closed down by the word not efficient you mean not profitable not profitable, of course. In Romania, we have only this definition. How much money can we gain? It is only related to the money, not to other aspects. Well, then what's happening in terms of the politics and the consciousness of people? If 60% of the population is living in poverty, essentially, and getting smashed by the pandemic, um, what's the state of the left in Romania? Is there is there any growing support amongst the poor for, for a progressive left-wing solution? No, because they are fearful and they are very prone to... Um, uh, be influenced by conservative uh, agenda. And the problem is that we have a small party demos, democracy and solidarity. It was, I think, the first political party that uh, came to life after 1989 that assumed openly a left-wing agenda. Okay, but the problem here is that you see the working class is quite conservative and they don't want to be um, they are not sensitive to problems like gender ideology, like gender identity, like transgender ideology, like these are things that are debated in the university, like having uh, to write the name Latino with an X because everybody should choose their gender and not have Latinos, but Latino X, or not have workers, but workers X. You know, these type of discussions are mainly um, 
focusing on things that the 60% of the workers that I've told you about, I don't think they are very sensitive to this type of discussion. And not only that they are not very sensitive, this is the kind of discussion that actually scares them. Well, then why have it? Why not? Why wouldn't the left focus on the economic well-being of the majority of the working class and and fight for progressive solutions on these economic questions and and you know sort of later deal with some of the gender issues because if if this is pushing workers into the conservative camp uh, politically uh, you would think that's counterproductive I don't think the Romanian left is prepared to give up uh, their internal fights and their academic debates uh, yet and engage in some political fight because when you have to fight politically you have to take a very serious goal and fight for it and go to and talk to the workers and engage in this type of activity for the time being I'm very happy don't get me wrong that we have this type of conversation because um, uh, the conservatives are attacking minorities and it is important to protect feminism and to protect because in Romania uh, 55% of the people think that rape is uh, acceptable in some situation according to the gender equality index in the, the European Union. So we have a huge problem because also uh, almost to a quarter of the underaged mothers in the European Union are in Romania. A lot of the people that are being trafficked, almost 40% of the person that are being sexually exploited at the level of the European Union as a result of uh, trafficking in human beings come from Romania. So we have a huge problem here, as you can see. I don't know how we can... This is the current dilemma. We have a lot of poor people that are conservatives and a lot of leftists who are very progressive uh, in terms of um, identity and uh, gender-related issues. And I, I, frankly, I don't see a solution right now. I don't see a solution for the time being because none of the... People that I'm talking about here wants to give up uh, their position. They are true believers, and that's a good thing. They are not people who are in uh, the po- in politics for uh, money or for the power or something like that. But this is in the end what you have to do. You have to gain elections. <laughs> you are not there for have have an academic debate you have to earn elections and in order to do that you have to appeal to the masses and there's no sort of militancy or progressive left kind of organizing amongst the workers it's whatever there is is in the intelligentsia like what is the state of the trade unions is there are there any unions that actually have a some backbone i'm Glad that you asked that. The problem here is that in Romania, uh, we have two sources of the problem. Some of the unions were centralized, the macho thinking organizations that had a leader that, um, unfortunately, a lot of times those leaders made, made deals with the power and a lot of times they became politicians, so they switched sides 
you know. Um, this is one of the problems. Uh, the whole structure of the union is um, not coping with the very versatile and dynamic forms of today's capitalism and with the precariat and the thing that you don't have no longer have an industry with a lot of people gathered together in uh, one place. You have workers uh, working three jobs uh, here and then, uh, there, they don't even meet. So the whole structure of our unions can cope with this very volatile uh, environment in the nowadays capitalist society. The first one. The second one is that in 2012, we have this government, this right-wing government that basically dismantled uh, the unions. It made it so difficult to form a union. It made it easier to fire union leaders. So it was a huge step taken against the unions and unionizing and they also dismantled because what we had here was something very interesting was a collective uh, contract collective labor contract so every section every part of the industry had this form of collective working uh, contract and that was dismantled in 2012 so now nowadays the unions um, are not very powerful and a lot of people are afraid to join a union because in 2012 they made it so easier to fire union leaders so now it's very difficult to to rely on this type of uh, structure i don't know where the hope would come from right now probably probably some of the progressives because we also have a political party the communist party with some people that want but they are nostalgic in a way they try to idealize the time when Ceausescu was a leader and people are not very prone to believe that because there were a lot of things that were uh, very traumatic. Just to give you an example, in 1966, Ceausescu gave a law banning abortions. And while, of course, he encouraged women to go and work and to integrate in the labor force, that was a good thing. This is why we are among the first countries to have a high percentage of women working in STEM, what you call STEM, science, hardcore science. Uh, the bad thing was that once he banned abortions in 1966, the um, Romanian women became the property of the state and their uterus became the property of the state. And uh, don't think that this was only some sort of regulation. No, they had very... Um, um, meticulous uh, ways of putting it into place. I mean, uh, Romanian women did not have access to contraception, to sexual education. Uh, all the burden of making Romania a great nation was placed on Romanian women. Ceausescu had this idea that we have to have a lot of children. But this was done um, 
while uh, destroying the public health and destroying the sometimes the the well-being of Romanian women. We had almost 10,000 women died because of uh, back alley abortions. Has it gotten any better now? Well, of course, after 1989. Uh, abortions. The first measure that was being taken was that abortions were legal again. Just imagine that we had gynecologists going into the factories and searching women to see if they are pregnant or not. Just imagine how intrusive, abusive, and crazy the system was. Under Ceausescu, yeah. Yes. Romania, in terms of the conservative politics, especially on issues of gender and women and such, culturally, ideologically, are closer to what the state of politics in Russia, especially, uh, you know, Putin and the, and the strength of the Russian Orthodox Church. So, like, culturally, ideologically... Uh, there seems to be a, a, a closer kinship with what's going on in Russia. On the other hand, Romania seems very firmly in the American camp. I, I see that Romania may allow an increase in the U.S. soldiers to be based in Romania. So how do Romanians feel about this, you know, and even geographically being sort of, you know, on in the in a sort of buffer zone. I know Romania is part of NATO, but it's 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 as a NATO country, it's one of the closest ones to Russia. What is this the feeling amongst Romanians in in terms of American Russian contention? Well, if Romanians uh, hear that uh, you compare them to the Russians, they would feel very offended. Uh, here in Romania, we had some sort of uh, I told you cult or religion almost, uh, that anti-Russian sentiment. And we have people that go on live television who told the same stories, how the Russian threat is here. They use certain phrase, and I heard them so many times that I can talk like them, you know. So the Russian threat is here. Russia is engaged in a hybrid war against Romania. We have to show that we take into consideration the alliance with the NATO uh, partners and stuff like that. And they are repeating all these things over and over again. And even in the, if, when the news surfaced, just to make you, to give you a clear idea of what I mean, when the news surfaced that maybe Russia uh, discovered a viable form of vaccine, the Romanians started to scream from the top of their keyboards on the social networks that this must be a lie. Don't believe what they are saying. I'll be rather dead than accept the Russian vaccine. Just to see how much uh, irrationality and hatred uh, dominates the public sphere when it comes to Russia, even though we are very close, as you say, in a very conservative uh, society. But uh, Romanians tend to be very prone to lick the boots of uh, the U.S. and to be the only ones or the first one to give a lot of money, like $4 billion they gave to buy missiles from the U.S. and they were very proud. Missiles? Yes. And they uh, and military equipment, not just missiles, well, military equipment, and they uh, bought it for four billion 
uh, dollars, and that's a lot of money for a very poor country like Romania. But uh, we are among the very few that achieve the goal of spending 2% of the GDP on military equipment. <laughs> So even Germany does not do it, even though they are a NATO member, but we are doing it as a poor country. This is the situation. We have a very political elite formed by cowards. And I would not say, because I have plenty of uh, criticism to address Vladimir Putin, I do not condone anything of what he does. He stayed in power for as long as I can remember, even I, I think I was in the seventh grade <laughs> when he came to power. And now I'm a professor and I think uh, probably I retire and he will still be there. So I'm not condoning, but this type of attitudes uh, among the Romanian politicians, I find it to be very troubling because while you in the United States have an ocean between you and uh, Russia, we don't have that kind of distance, geographically, geographically speaking. And there's no point in uh, making all these threats and making all these declarations against uh, Russia since we are a very small, poor country relying on the U.S. to come and save us if the Russians decide to hit us. And why would they? And why would they? <laughs> I think this, I mean, why this is, it's such a crazy notion that somehow it's in Russia's interest to go invade some of these countries. What do they get out of it except maybe an armed resistance against them? I mean, it just makes no sense at all. Yeah, well, tell that to the Romanian intellectuals who are engaged. I think some of them gain something and they should praise secretly Vladimir Putin because it gives them reason to exist, you know, and to be public intellectuals and important in the public agenda. I don't know what they would have done without him. <laughs> they owe him. <laughs> All right, well, this has been very good, uh, Maria. Let's let's do this again. So we'll, we'll come back to you in, in a little while and we can talk some more about, maybe bro more broadly about what's going on in Eastern Europe. But thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on your show, Paul. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news podcast. <laughs>